Happy Monday, friends. Welcome back to the Mark Claire Show, your one-stop shop for everything you need to learn to navigate this reality, the material, the spiritual, everything in between. At least we do our best, we being me. Well, me and my guests. And I have got a great guest for you today, Isaac Weisopt, the Illuminati Watcher, a guy whose work I've been following for years and years and years. We'll get to that combo in just a moment. But first, I got to remind you about our fantastic sponsor, just re-up for another month, my man, Stephen Fox over at Fox & Sons Coffee. I do not have the bags in front of me today. Why? Because I'm unprepared. But hey, it's late in the day. I shouldn't be drinking coffee right now anyway, but I can still tell you about it because this coffee... I'm not exaggerating. This coffee has changed my life. I used to stress about coffee. I used to worry about, am I getting uh, these beans or not? I, it's half the time I run out, I go to Starbucks. Now I got myself a subscription and every single month, a bag of Fox and Sons coffee, two pound bag shows up at my door. And right now there's a special offer going on over at Fox and Sons, the letter F, F-O-X, the letter N-S-O-N-S.com, foxandsons.com. If you get a subscription, a two-pound bag subscription, you're going to get $4 off every single month. Or if it's your first time and just want to try out one bag, you can use my discount code. That's discount code MCS. Stephen Fox is a great guy, great fan of the show, who started this business because he had great memories of drinking coffee with his dad growing up. So he wanted to share those memories and share that experience with his sons while teaching them about entrepreneurship. I think that's a fantastic thing. I think it's a wonderful thing to support small businesses like this. It's wonderful to support this show. So really, it's a wonderful thing all around. So head over to foxandsons.com. Either use that discount code MCS for 18% off uh, your first sample bag if it's your first timer or dive right in. Get yourself a subscription for $4 off per month. You can't go wrong either way. You're not going to regret it. You're also not going to regret hearing this conversation with Isaac Wyasopt. Here we go. My guest today is the author of many, many books, nine books, I believe, at the current count uh, on various topics in the realm of uh, the occult, occult symbolism, conspiracy. And he is the host of the excellent podcast that I never miss an episode of Occult Symbolism and Pop Culture. He's half truther, half normie. I'm very pleased to welcome the Illuminati watcher himself, Isaac Weisopt. Isaac, welcome to my show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Um, I appreciate that you've listened to most of the shows. That's pretty good, man. Uh, you know, because I notice I look at all my stats all the time and and my best guesstimate is that most of the audience listens to maybe, I'd say, two thirds of the show, which is, you know, because I subscribe to a lot of podcasts, too. So I always I'll look at the titles come across and, you know, I'm the same way. I'll be like, eh, I don't know if I want to listen to that one. So that's pretty good if you listen to most of them. So thank you. Yeah, well, I feel like now, like when when I'm kind of getting more into this realm, that I need to sort of surround myself in a sense with the the PhDs on this topic. And I in the podcast realm, I would I would consider you having like a podcast PhD on on occult symbolism at this point. Oh wow, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a long a long journey. I and as you probably know, I've I go back and forth, right? I vacillate on what my stance is on things, and we can talk about all this, I'm sure, but. Uh, I don't I don't profess to know all the answers and I'm still learning too but yeah thank you appreciate that well, that's, that's one thing I appreciate about appreciate about your approach is because especially in this conspiracy world it's so easy and I'm sure we've all been down them it's so easy to just go down one rabbit hole and the next thing you know you're way 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 down that rabbit hole and it's six in the morning and you've been up all night watching conspiracy videos your eyes are bloodshot and it feels like there's just nothing but despair there so it's it's a it's a, I try to avoid a lot of content that goes too far in that direction not that I mean if it's truth it's truth you know if you got to go down a certain path go down a certain path but I think it's it's good to stay grounded too and that's what you try to do with your sort of normie trooper sort of uh you know waffling the line yeah it's it's a painful process though let me tell you because 
I and, and I can I guess maybe I could take five minutes and go through my background and what got me here for folks that are unaware. Um, so I, I I grew up in the eighties and nineties, right? I'm 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 in my forties, and I was always interested in occult topics. I used to watch X Files in the nineties, and I was always into aliens. That's what kind of got me into some of these paranormal things, and. And ironically, and we we had talked on Twitter about Twin Peaks. I'm I'm down a deep rabbit hole of Twin Peaks. I'm nothing less than obsessed with it at the moment, uh, to the point where I'm I'm I've I've thought about like what if I just either start a new podcast that I just talk about Twin Peaks and go through every single thing. But a lot of people have done that already, and I'm like I don't know if I have anything to contribute to that, but I want to. Right, the desire is there, but. Watching Twin Peaks now, I say, "Oh, X Files is like the the bubblegum version of Twin Peaks. Like they basically totally. took the same idea." But anyway, um, so I was into that stuff in the '90s. hadn't watched Twin Peaks till six months ago. For for the record, there. Had you ever started to watch it before? Because I had probably started to watch it maybe six times in my life. Made it some point into season one. And then just kind of fizzled out. This time I'm I'm now deep into season two, so I've gotten further than I ever got before. Oh, you haven't you haven't completed it yet? I haven't gotten all the way still. Oh no. man, yeah. Let me tell you. Uh, we'll come back to the my origin story because I'm definitely into Twin Peaks. The I tried watching because I I've been doing the blog, so I started. Okay, let me let me finish the journey, and then we'll we'll talk Twin Peaks. Actually, um, in I was in the military in uh, 2001. My buddy was telling me about. Uh, I was doing a short tour in South Korea during 9-11, right? And the uh, my buddy says, you got to read this Bill Cooper book and Behold a Pale Horse. So I get back to the States. This is, you know, 2002 at this point. And you had to go to an actual proper bookstore back then. And I was stationed in Florida and on the panhandle there. And I found a bookstore that had it and I bought it. And I was like, this is wild. You know, he's talking about aliens in the Denver airport. And he sees, you know, he was a naval intelligence guy and he had seen uh, UFOs and USOs and, and wasn't sure if it was real or fake or if he was being shown this on purpose, which to me, that story gains more credence as I get older and observe all these conspiracy theories about, because there's one thing that you seem to find when you talk about these things, there's always this element of the paranormal and military intelligence. Mm -hmm. So I find it interesting that Bill Cooper was basically, he seemed to be thinking perhaps he was being groomed for some kind of twin peaks esque. And I don't know how far into the thing you are, but um, man, I never even made the connection of the name too. Was he like an agent Cooper Cooper as well? (laughs) Yeah. Or being groomed to be like a, yeah, that's crazy. Anyway, but but yeah, it's it's a lot of wild stuff there. But uh, I got into Bill Cooper in like 2002, kept living my normie blue pill life. Then around 2004 or five, a buddy of mine gave me a VHS copy of David Icke's Freedom Road, which was a really low budget production he did. It wasn't even at a stadium or nothing back then. It was just him in a dark room with a TV screen and he was like pointing to things on the TV screen. I mean, it was janky, right? But I remember watching it and I was like, dude, this guy knows so much. Like he knows it all. He was connecting all these dots. And I I I remember I I was kind of a tech nerd and I found a way to strip the audio onto an MP3 player and I would listen to it at work. I was I was a mechanic, you know, I was just listening to this crap all day, trying to through osmosis pick it up because it was all so new and it's so much, right? 
And over the years, all those ideas would rattle around in my head. And then in 2000, uh, 2011, I started my blog, IlluminatiWatcher.com. I was actually in a, a, a two-year break between uh, before I started grad school. And I started the blog. I talk about conspiracy stuff and just various things, you know, just goofy blog stuff. And I noticed a lot of people were into the conspiracy talk. So I kept talking about David Icke and, and other people's ideas. And, you know, and, and as you, you got it correct, I've written nine books since then. I forget how many it is because I've done like little books and mini books and then compilation books, but there's actually nine separate titles and, uh, and a podcast and YouTube and like most truthers have been banned off of everything um, for no good reason at all. But the, uh, and I've done a ton of, ton of big shows. I just did coast to coast AM a couple weeks ago. That was, that was the <laughs> the peak of my career, right? Uh, the only thing now you're was, back down here in the Valley. <laughs> no, that's where the real stuff happens though. Honestly, uh, so, but my, what I wanted to finish was my third, I call it my, my three stage red pill, right? I had, I had the Bill Cooper book, then I had David Icke stuff. And then I had, uh, Freeman fly. Uh, I was on his podcast. I, I was already listening to his show and then he had me on there. That was the first podcast I ever did. And, uh, he was the one that put me onto the occult side of things. And you were talking about certain niches and rabbit holes of conspiracy. And that to me resonated the most. That was the most fascinating to me because it ties together entertainment, the film industry, symbolism, um, the paranormal aliens. I mean, these were all up my alley. Whereas uh, just to contrast it, like political stuff is not because that's, you know, you could argue the problem with politics to me is that, everyone sources their information from the sources they agree with, you know, to argue their points. And it's like, man, we don't, sometimes you don't really know. I mean, you can have philosophies and that's another thing is, is I am socially very liberal. So I don't fit in with the truth or crowd, which is generally very conservative generally, but it used to not always be that way. It used to be uh, a good mix. Um, but anyway, I, I, I didn't take that path. I took the path of, uh, researching the occult and ritual magic and Aleister Crowley and all these names. And, uh, and it's, to me, it's, it's been very rewarding because it does dance on the periphery of spirituality sometimes. And my background is a Christian. Uh, I'm Orthodox Christian, not a good one. I rarely go to church. <laughs> I actually am, uh, there's elements of my faith I have a hard time agreeing with. Uh, and I'm also very much, uh, like I said, I very much, if people can believe whatever religion they want to believe. Like I talk about Satanism and stuff sometimes and witchcraft and people get really upset by that. By that. They say, they always reach out to me and they're like, they're mad. They're like, what do we got to do? We got to stop these people from worshiping Satan as a, you know, as Christian warriors. And to me, I like I don't care what they do. Like that's their. Are you gonna burst into their house with a flaming sword and uh, you know command yeah. what they, they stop worshiping Satan? <laughs> the sword of truth. Like I, I honestly don't care. Like I, I, I wouldn't want that path for them. But like that's their choice, and no one. It's hard to convince someone to change their philosophy. Uh, they got to kind of. Everyone's got their own journey, is what I'm saying. And 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 I approach the same thing with with like cancel culture. People they want to cancel folks who have thoughts that I don't agree with but I, I disagree with that because again everyone's on their journey and not everyone evolves at the same rate some people never get enlightened they just 
stay in a, a dark, negative place of hating people for dumb reasons, right? And, and especially when you're when you're getting immersed in, say, politics or, or what have you, and you find yourself having these arguments about this or that, at, when you kind of zoom out, you realize that you're just kind of operating on the periphery. You're just ar- arguing about whatever sort of presented to us as the subject matter we're supposed to argue about. But as you kind of implied there, when you start digging into this stuff further um, and you find the occult side of it, you kind of realize that that's the glue that connects all of this stuff together. You know, the, the stuff that might seem disconnected, the paranormal, UFOs, uh, you know, government, CIA, intelligence type stuff, politics. And then you start looking underneath. And that's what you do so, so, so well at. You look underneath and you do start to realize that there is sort of maybe we don't have as the title of one of your books, actually, a great, there is sort of a grand unified conspiracy underneath all of this and maybe trying to figure out exactly what it is and what elements are truth and whatnot is the challenge. Right. And, and that's, and that's another big idea that I've tried to explore and learn more about over my time is this, this idea that, and, and you bring up a good point with the politics. You, you'll see that a lot of, a lot of personalities, some in the truth or spectrum, some not, they end up going into that reactionary thing where the news, you know, and that's my, and that's what drives me nuts sometimes. Cause I'm, I'm over here, uh, consider myself to be involved in the truth. I don't know if I consider myself a full truther because I, I, I go back and forth. I'm like, sometimes I think this, this uh, try not, can I swear on here or no? Okay. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'll try not to, but if it slips, um, Sometimes I think, man, this shit's crazy. Like, why why am I reading this? Why would this even be real? But then other times I'm like, oh my God, the lizard people, they're doing it, you know. And right. I, I, I go back and forth, but with the the a lot of one main theme that I learned from from the jump was that you can't necessarily trust the mainstream media. I'm not saying don't listen to it at all. I mean, they're not entirely wrong all the time, but Sometimes you have to understand there's agendas to get us to d- be divided because if they can divide us and he was arguing about Bud Light and I mean what people do with their bodies like that's that's a uh, that's that's a divisive thing and that keeps us I mean and, and it doesn't really matter in the scheme of your life you know w- when you live your whole life are you gonna like what's the purpose of us being here you know what I mean and and I I like to stay more in the spiritual occult realm and sometimes i think the occultists i don't disagree with everything they say or do or practice sometimes i think they get it right in a way um but then sometimes i don't like i i'm against the idea of black magic even magic ritual magic itself has an has a an, an element to it that I, I disagree with because it ends up taking down this path of uh self-deification and man becoming god and like you you start boosting up your ego and and you know some of the hippies they talk about or the occultists they'll talk about destruction of the ego and i think if you asked me that would be a better path than inflating the ego with narcissism and social media and all those things yeah i've uh i've met people and i've 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 been in my own experience where you're supposed to sort of lose your ego and i wouldn't say i've lost my ego at all actually but uh, i i've 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 been around people that say they've had that sort of ego loss or what have you. And to me, oftentimes those people actually seem to have the biggest egos <laughs> in some way because because they come off, there's this air of, I've got it all figured out. We're all one. And yeah. You, you live in Los Angeles, so I'm sure you were around a lot well, of yeah, that. Yeah, that's probably a factor. Yeah, that's that's the one thing I noticed. Like, I love Los Angeles when I go out there, but there's there's definitely an air of that going around with the, mm-hmm. it, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's, I know what you're saying, though. I did ayahuasca with this guy named Bruce, like it, with flip flops on, you know, in, you know, 
the valley or what have you or in Joshua Tree, and now I've I've got it all. Yeah. I've got it all figured yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, there's a there's a lot of interesting ideas you could take from the occult sort of philosophies, and you know, I'd like to think that you can use some elements here or there to make your life better. But I don't know if you asked a if you asked my Christian priest, he would say, "No, you're not doing none of that stuff." You know, so I don't know. They, but again, it's up to everyone as to what what path they want to take. Um, Were you raised raised an Orthodox no, Christian? No, I was raised in uh, Charles Manson's church. Actually, the, <laughs> really not his specific. Church. That seems like a little bit of burying the headline on your background. Yeah. <laughs> the the uh, he so uh, Charles Manson as a kid went to the Church of the Nazarene uh, in West Virginia. I went to. I was born in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, so I went to a Church of Nazarene there. And it was very kind of Protestant. I call it like a rock band church, you know, and then, you know, we'd go to church, man. I, and, and I never liked it. I dis I disliked every single thing about it. We would go to church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening. I didn't like it. I didn't like the people there. I, I just, I don't know what it was. The devil was in me or something. I just, I didn't like any of it. Um, but it wasn't that I, it wasn't like I had the thought of, Oh, this is all bull crap and none of it's real. It was more of I don't like these people. They feel scummy to me and they feel like hypocrites. It was always the vibe I had because my friends from school were <laughs> I, I hung out with a lot of degenerates, you know what I mean? And those were good people. And 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 you know, like I'm I'm a real I like the salt of the earth type kind of people. I'm a very uh uh Bruce Springsteen, Jack and Diane, blue collar, Allentown PA kind of guy, right? So the, all these like degenerates I hung out with, we were all into stuff that the church and all the my you know the the kids in my church school would would condemn in movies like they, they wouldn't want you to go to the movie theater and my and it was a weird I had a weird upbringing. My mother was in the church of Nazarene. She was raised in that church. My father was from New Jersey, and he didn't like that church at all. I didn't really understand why. I think I figured that out as I got older. And it's no offense. It's no knock against that church. It just different strokes for different folks i feel and uh but my dad was a religious guy in the sense that he would read the bible he read the bible like all the time i would see him in his room just reading his bible sometimes and so it wasn't like he was a non-believer he just didn't like organized religion which i picked that up from him but then uh i met my wife she's greek and she introduced me to the greek orthodox church in like 2000 i don't know two and um i had a lot to learn but I really liked it because it has a very sort of mystical ritual feel to it, which to me felt more like the presence of God. Um, and yeah, I, I, so, so it's been, you know, about 20 years that I've been Greek Orthodox and I, I was really intense about it for about 10 years. I would go to every book club and the services and do all the, uh, the mysteries, the communion and all that. Um, I've gotten more lax the last five to 10 years where I kind of start slipping and not, I'd rather sleep in on Sunday kind of vibe, you know? And, uh, you know, I struggle with it. You know, sometimes I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta get my stuff together and read the Bible more. And then the other times I'm like, man, it's fine. I got it. <laughs> it, it is interesting though, because a lot of, and you kind of were, were doing it before it was cool. Cause there's been sort of a wave of sort of ortho bros and people converting to Orthodox Christianity, people finding Orthodox Christianity. Um, and, for me, like I look back on just the first 25, 26 episodes of the show, and I'm not joking, like literally about half my guests have been Orthodox Christians, and I'm not out seeking Orthodox Christian guests. Oh. And I, I think one thing I've kind of discovered is that people that are of that Orthodox bent, they 
like you kind of referenced, there's something more mystical about it. And they don't deny the mystical experience. They don't deny um, the occult, really. They, they might have their own thoughts about what's dangerous about it or, or what have you, but they don't deny its existence, which I think in a lot of more sort of mainstream Christianity, at least on the surface of a lot of what I see, a lot of those people are, are more, more apt to just poo-poo the whole thing all together and be like, okay, I'm sure there's weird weird ghost stuff, whatever. I'm like, don't you believe in gee, the whole thing is based on a ghost story? Right. Uh, so, so yeah, but I, I find that that's, that's embraced a lot more by the Orthodox, so I wonder if there's just um, some some synergy there, I guess, from the beginning. That's an interesting point. I actually, I actually hadn't really consciously thought about that, but you're right. Uh, I, I've, I've worked with Jay Dyer on and off for mm-hmm. man a long time because we he started out i think blogging maybe a couple years before i did so he was kind of already on the scene and uh, me and him kind of linked up right away because we had very similar uh research right and um i don't know when he converted to orthodoxy but i know he did at some point i don't know five years ago ten years ago i, I don't really know to be honest i shouldn't speculate but uh i know i know he's like the other main orthodox uh sort of truther and then um there's a couple more you're right and, and and I don't know what that is. That is kind of interesting that that like these roads kind of lead people down to orthodoxy. I, I'm not sure what that is. I think it at least, I mean, to me, like the orthodox kind of accept that we live in a spiritual reality, a, a world of spiritual influence. So I think maybe it just it, it there's not much. It's not that crazy to go and find all this occult stuff. And it, it kind of fits right in with that. Whereas if you are rejecting the concept that we live in a sort of a spiritually influenced reality, then a lot of this stuff is going to be a, a lot more of a, a leap for you to to sort of you know jump into and not just reject because that's just that's just weird stuff that these internet guys believe. right yeah there's there's definitely there's definitely a, a heavy mystical element um, you know because I remember the first time I talked to uh, so 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 I I proposed to my now wife in two thousand two and she said I want to get married in the church. And I said, okay, cool. So we met with the priest and he was talking to me about co- communion and me not really understanding what communion was. Cause in my, in the church of the, you're like, you mean the book by Whitley Schreiber? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, I would have been all in at that point. The, um, <laughs> the, uh, so like in the Nazarene church, we did communion like once a year and they would, they you would just pass a tray of grape juice and uh, little, I don't know, those styrofoam chip wafers. You would just pass them down the pew to each other. It was like once a year. It wasn't even a big deal. You didn't prepare for it or nothing. You were just there and you did it. And I assumed that was communion. So he's talking to me about communion and he's like, well, do you believe we turn the, the, the bread and wine into the blood and body of Christ? And I go, well, I know it's not literally blood and I'm under a microscope. And he got very upset with me. <laughs> and he said, and he was like, no, you got a lot to learn, right? So, you know, because the Orthodox believe mystically uh, in transubstantiation, they think literally through ritual prayer through the liturgy and um the prescribed services that don't change over hundreds of years that we can mystically turn the the wine and the bread into the blood and body of christ and and i do believe that uh i take it i take it so serious that i'd never take communion because i've never prepared for it you know (laughs) because you're supposed to fast and you're supposed to do confession i mean it's it's an intense requirement uh of course some churches some some priests uh they're because I've had several priests come and go, and, and some of them are like, Well, you know, just do your best, you know, maybe say a prayer before you, you, you come to church, you know, but not everybody can do the fast or the confession. Like, it's fine. Uh, it just depends on which kind of sometimes you get these really monastic priests that are, are really by the book and they take it 
ultra serious. And that's kind of my, my first real Orthodox priest was like that. So that's kind of already baked into me where I'm kind of more hesitant to take communion if I'm not fully prepared. Oh. But anyway, yeah, there, there's, there's an interesting orthodoxy. There's, there's a few more, and I can't, I, for the life of me, can't think of their names. There was a guy who, uh, I think his name is KJ Osborne, who does the scariest movie ever. He was big on YouTube. I'm sure they banned him by now, uh, years ago. But anyways, I, I think he's orthodox. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, it's often, it's, it's like I find out after or during the course of the interview, or maybe I kind of know it tangentially, but I'm, it's, not, it's not why I'm <laughs> scheduling them. It's not because I want to talk about orthodoxy, but inevitably it kind of comes up. So it's just been an interesting thread that's uh, uh, kind of come, come across It's reaching out to you. It's trying to pull you in, I guess. That's what, that's what they tell me. That's what the ortho bros are telling me, but, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, maybe continue a little bit further on into, uh, yeah, I, we were we kind of diverted away from your, your origin story there, but how did you kind of go, go? I think you were kind of about to make the leap from your interest in the blogging of it to kind of go hardcore full scale where you are now. Yeah. The, it was interesting. I, my blog. And again, when I started this in 2011, it was literally just for fun. I had zero. Cause a lot of people nowadays, nowadays, um, there's such it's so ingrained this uh side hustle podcast content creation culture it's almost expected that you get into this um with the idea of making money and that's totally fine i mean i make money i i, I found a way to make money out of it so i'm like oh well, that's what i'm going to do uh but it started out and i had zero intentions it was just for fun uh 2011 uh I was the first result on all the Google searches for anything Illuminati related, symbolism related, because I was blogging like three times a day. I would put articles out, not even good ones, bad ones. And you're just hitting those keywords. keywords. I had no idea. I, I, I didn't know SEO that well. I just had a WordPress site and it just worked. And I was just getting boatloads of traffic until about 2015. Then Google, you know, they changed their algorithm. And now I disappear from the first page on most of the articles and my my traffic plummets. But over the over that first five years, I had started the YouTube channel. It had a ton of followers, and I got banned in around 2016. Um, then uh, you know, and I started podcasting in 2014, but I didn't take it serious until around 2017, I think 2016, when I was getting banned off of everything else. And I said, well, I mean, I guess I'm down to writing books because I was writing books the whole time, you know. I guess I'm down to writing books and podcasting, and that's kind of where it's been since then. And um, you know, I'll never forget that first. The first time I realized you could monetize this stuff was around 2013. I put Google ads on my blog, which, like I said, it was getting maybe half a million page views a month, which is pretty significant. And uh, you know, I was making, I was making hundreds of dollars a month. I said, I remember the first thing I thought was. Dude, I could buy a subscription to that uh, Ancient Aliens magazine, you know, because it was outrageous. <laughs> they wanted like eighty bucks a year for four magazines. Uh, I still remember that. It was really weird, but uh, yeah, there, there's it's it's been an interesting journey, and the whole time it's like whack a mole, you know what I mean? It's it's I've got a whole sad sob story on my uh, start here page on IlluminatiWatch.com, where you can read my. I sort of made a timeline to show how much there is a suppression of these ideas because I've always been the guy who, I remember when at the height of my YouTube, Mark Dice was, you know, he he was a big name back then even, of course, but he, you know, he's still on there today. He's got a couple million subscribers on his YouTube. But back then my real beef was I was getting, uh, 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 what do you call it? Penalized by Google, uh, YouTube, I should say. 
and they kicked me off at the same time that Mark Dice is on there. And the way he, and no offense to Mark Dice, but like the way he talks about uh, like women, for example, he was talking about like he he's calling Rihanna a dirty slut, and like this is the way he talks, right? And like to me, that's yeah. like offensive. Like I don't want to hear that stuff, man. Like could, I, I, no matter what you think of Rihanna, like I don't know, it's just it's just offensive to me, and like I. It just means I won't listen to it. I'm not saying cancel Mark Dice. I'm just saying I I I find that kind of offensive. I'm not going to listen to that crap. But it was funny that he continues to get a YouTube channel and he's got two million subscribers now. And I got banned off of there. Uh, I started another account. That one's got a red flag on it already, so I can't make uh, videos on that. What are your what have your strikes been for? Like what are they? What are the, what are the ones that actually get you removed? Um, so what happened was I did the first the first red flag was I did a so Taylor Swift had a music video. I don't remember the title of it. I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan, but I talked about different symbolism on there because uh, it had a. I remember all I remember was that it had something that said "burn the witches" or something in the background, and I I was just talking about different symbolism and witchcraft and stuff like that, and I never I never I always tried to be careful to talk about these artists and say. I don't know that Taylor Swift's in the Illuminati, but maybe the director is the one planning these symbols. We don't really know. I try to kind of, you know, because it's like, I'm not trying to get people to hate Taylor Swift. Like, I don't care. Right, right. It's not about the person to you. It's about the symbology, which could be there from a person, the the artist, the performer, the producer, directors. I mean, who knows how it actually right. gets, gets exactly. where it is. And even if it's in there, like I know plenty of people with like occult tattoos that aren't like, you know, they're not Satan worshipers. They're just people with occult tattoos. Right. Them. Yeah. So and it doesn't mean anything about the person. <laughs> right. And um, yeah, so th that I, I remember I made the video and like I said, I was about 70,000 subscribers back then. And it was, I was, I had a bunch of viral ones that hit a couple million views and I was getting, I was getting paid. I was like, dude, this is great. I'm going to quit my job. And I woke up the next morning and they blocked, they banned they uh, blocked me out of my account. They made me take this sort of hate speech training. And I was like, for what? Like, YouTube made you take hate speech training? Yeah. And, well, and I, I didn't, didn't know say that was anything thing. negative about Taylor Swift in that manner. Right. And I was just perplexed by it. And I even, uh, I had access at that time. I had access to a special sort of version of YouTube customer service. Cause I had like enough traffic that they were like, okay, uh, they open up the, they, they were going to let me in the YouTube studios. They, they invited me to go to YouTube studios to make content there in uh, California somewhere. And you used to live right, right behind oh, that. Oh, really? CD. Interesting. Yeah. yeah they, I, I never went, but, um, cause I, I live in Utah and even at the time I was like, I don't know what I would even do there. But, um, her management company, red dog media, I was able to look at the complaint and her actual management company was the one that went in there and put the request on, which I found bizarre. Because uh, I had to look mm. it up. I was like, Red Dog Media? Who's that? And I looked at, sure enough, that's the name of her management company or whatever back then. And and I even wrote the YouTube. I said, I don't understand why this got construed as any form of hate speech or anything like that. And they give you the, please review the terms and conditions. Like, I couldn't talk to anybody. I was like, oh, forget it. So then about a month later, two months, three months maybe, I did a video about Ariana Grande. She did a song called I Am Mother or something like that. And similar thing, same as always, I see a music video, I'm talking about symbolism of the feminine uh, archetypes, the feminine goddess worship that ancient cultures did. And uh, that's when they shut me down. They just closed out the account and said, you're not allowed to log back in. You're not allowed to create any. They told me you're not allowed to create any more YouTube accounts ever. So I made a different YouTube account under a different name and <laughs> they 
sort of sh- this is uh jerry weissop is <laughs> yeah. gonna start this one. and I, it, it sort of got shadow banned so i started a third one that's the one i've been plugging for the last six months and now that one got a, a red flag and they're telling me one more and they're gonna shut it down i'm like oh forget it i don't know why i bother rockfin's the only place to go where you can upload stuff and they let you talk about things but but there is an yeah. agenda because i think you know and a lot of people they 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 say stuff like, oh, it's because you're telling the truth, man. And for a while there, I wasn't sure if that was really the case because I thought, no, I think it's... Because well, then it can almost become a badge of honor. You're like, yeah, I'm getting banned because I'm, tr- I'm the bearer right. of truth. They have to ban and, and me. There, and that's, this goes into that, e- you know, pumping up my ego, which I don't need. So mm-hmm. I, I'm always kind of like, I don't know if it's that. It might just be that Taylor Swift's management company doesn't want negative, you know, things that could be construed negative about Taylor Swift. I, I don't know. I, I don't understand. Yeah. There are regular just corporations being corporation reasons yes. you could see that this yes. would happen to. And then another one is these these fan bases like Ariana Grande, her fan base of uh, I don't know what the name is. They always have stupid names for the fans, but it's possible that they think I'm being mean to their savior, Ari Ariola Grande, and and they're putting in complaints on YouTube saying this guy's doing hate speech against I don't know. I don't know. Um but yeah, that that was all. That was all a very frustrating experience. But there is a suppression uh, because you know Google owns YouTube, of course, and Google and YouTube are at least they were before TikTok the number one and two search engines. So if you want to talk about information on the internet, those two, that company is the proprietor of that. So it's interesting that and I did two shows on Google, uh, man, back in twenty seventeen deep diving into their origin story and their connections to government funding and how the government started it basically. And they have a lot of connections. They've got a lot of, uh, uh, what would you say? A lot of, they have a lot of deep state CIA. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an easy way of putting it. Right. So it makes sense that there's people that want to suppress this. Cause I think, um, when you're looking at entertainment, you've got this, conscious level this uh this level for the the story for the mundane and twin peaks this is why i'm so obsessed with it because they perfected this thing back in it was uh you know season one and two back in 1990 91 this was on i think it was on abc it was on one of the mainstream channels i i hadn't watched it um and yeah now we can come back you asked me about it and i i I tried several times over the years to watch this show because everyone over these years have said you gotta watch twin peaks and I tried watching episode. I bet I've seen episode one at least five or oh, yeah. six times. I've probably literally, literally seen it, yeah, about five or six times before even getting to like further yes. into the season. Then I had a few other attempts where I'd make it to like two or three, yes. and then I, I would always kind of fall off because it just got too slow and weird Isn't for that me. Bizarre that we all have that, that experience because other people have that experience too. I hear this all the time too. It's very common with Twin yeah. Peaks. It's, it's like the Twin Peaks story. You kind of have to have a few false starts, and, and it's and it's and it makes a ton of sense and. It wasn't until <laughs> I'm gonna say something that I, I this is the, this is an exclusive for you, Mark. What got me to actually watch Twin Peaks? I watched the. You ever see the '80s movie The Wraith with Charlie Sheen? It's it obscure. sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, it's an obscure movie about uh, basically like an alien technology car. It's super corny, but it's great. It's a fantastic '80s movie, and Charlie Sheen's in it, and um, so is. Uh, I, I think her name is Sherilyn Fenn. She's basically uh, uh, um, Aubrey, uh, Audrey Horn from Twin Peaks. She's mm-hmm. in that. And 
And I was, I was kind of, sometimes when I watch movies, I'll look up the cast and see what else they've done, you know, cause the, 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 you know, Charlie Sheen's the main guy. He's the protagonist. And then there's the, the bad boy. Who's like this guy who looks like he's about 35 in the movie, but he's, I guess a high school age. I don't really know. And, and I was like, man, that guy looks familiar. Right. So I was looking it up and I, and, uh, Sherilyn Fenn, very attractive. Right. In that, in that movie. And uh, I'm looking at each of the cast. I'm like, oh, she was in uh, Twin Peaks, huh? I was like, man, I really got to finish that show. You just kind of stalked, stalked her over. Back basically, Twin, basically, Twin that's what started it. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, maybe I should give this show an- another shot. So as fate would have it, I, I got really sick over the last six months. Um, in October, I got the flu. Then at the end of October, I got the dreaded uh, you know, thing from 2020 that will never go away. and um, and everything just kind of knocked me down for a couple weeks kind of thing. And I've been sick, um, five times this winter. Wow. Um, I actually went to the, uh, I, I tried everything, man. Every witchcrafty new age talks, uh, uh, cocktail. Uh, I've been taking supplements, all this stuff. Right. And I just haven't been feeling good. Did you try saunas? Saunas are my, are my, no, my I hack. haven't, I haven't. Huh? The one, the one thing you didn't try yeah. next, next time, time, give time it a shot. I couple- but I, and honestly, you might be onto something there. Do you, did you put one in your house, or do you go to like a place that has one? Oh God, I, I wish I wish I had that kind of dough. Now I just go to, I just oh, go to the okay. gym. But yeah, it's, it, it, whenever I'm feeling, I mean, I kind of do it regularly anyway. But, but I, like even this past week, my family got sick. I'm really? fine. I've been going to the sauna. That's the only difference I see. Yeah. So so the, I go to the CrossFit gym. We don't have one. That's what sucks. Um, but my my wife's been talking about getting a sauna, trying to because you can buy one on Amazon. I think for like 500 bucks, build it. Just a little little one man shack. Oh, just like a little. Oh, wow. Maybe I need I to do that because that's that would be I, I'd probably never get out of it. The thing is, the sauna is it's not that we need to do a whole segment on yeah. saunas, but it's just there is kind of like something to it in a in a grander metaphorical sense, because it's actually like a horrible time yeah. being in there. And you can't do it too much. If you stay for like 30 minutes, you'll probably die. Uh, but if you hit that just that right amount of time for me, it's like 18 minutes. Of, of like just to the point where you're kind of suffering and then you leave and your day, you just feel so much better for the rest of the day. But if you go like two minutes too far, you you feel like shit because you like dehydrate yourself too much. So there is, there's some weird balance to it. There's some life lesson there. I'm not sure. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I, I, I went to, uh, I've been, I've been trying to figure out what's going on with me because I don't get sick like this. And I, I thought, man, I bet I've got long haul. I bet that's what I got. So I, I've seen a couple specialists. I, I went to an immunologist this week and he said, I, he said, man, I think you're being dramatic. I think you just have a uh, chronic sinusitis. Like there's a sinus infection in there. We just got to clear it out. I was like, no, dude, I know when I have a sinus infection, that's not what this is. So we do a battery of tests. He puts a camera up my nose and sure enough, we confirm there's a sinus infection. The whole side's blocked off anyway. Um, so it turns out I've had a sinus infection for six months. That's why I keep feeling like crap, but that contributed to me being stuck on the couch and watching 50 hours of twin peaks because uh i i made it through you know and and my advice would be because a lot of people have this issue with twin peaks when they try to get through it i always say it's not for everyone but it was for me uh the the first season like it's hard to get into once once you sort of catch the bug and you get the and you and you sort of embrace the soap opera vibes it kind of it kind of goes up and down and and it, it's good then season two is kind of the same way. You'll have your doubts and you'll be like, dude, this is corny. What the hell am I watching? How is this good? Right. But it kind of goes up and down. Then you watch the movie and the movie is where I was like, oh, I'm all in. I'm all in on this show for life. Right. Because the fire walk with me movie, which I don't think you've seen yet. 
Yeah, I'm not there yet. So uh, no, no spoiler no plots, free. If you no yeah. plot spoiling today, folks. Um, but it's it's the it's the story about Laura Palmer before the before episode before the pilot episode of season one, and it puts a lot of pieces together. And you're like, oh wow, okay, I get it. And it's kind of dark, right? And then you watch season three, and then it's like mind blown. Uh, a lot of and in season three, I went through the same process of ups and downs, and I was like. Dude, is this this is stupid. Then other times it's almost like that is part of the point of the show yeah. is to bring you on this like this emotional sort of journey where at some point you don't know what the meaning of anything is, and then you have these revelatory moments where you think you got it all figured out, and then the next episode you it all falls apart. <laughs> it's it's there, there's some analogy in there for like a path through the the world of conspiracy and occult. It kind of the show almost seems like it it represents what that can be like in real. Well, he le- they and and I say he uh, you know David Lynch and Mark Frost created the show, and and I. I haven't dug into either one of them yet to see what their story is. I know Mark Frost did a movie called The Believers with Martin Sheen from the 80s about uh, the elites doing stuff with kids, right? And I I tend to think that maybe this Mark Frost guy is maybe the uh, the real occult genius behind the work, but I could be way wrong. Maybe it is Lynch. Everyone attributes this to Lynch. Uh, maybe it's both of them. I don't know. but. Um, it 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 does this thing very well that i've been trying to say over the years about entertainment of sending out this message to the the conscious mind the mundane which i think most people that watch the first two seasons they they watch it and they say oh it's a soap opera it's about relationships and people are cheating on each other and someone gets murdered like that's very much what it's about if you just watch it from that perspective but to people who know about occult symbolism he leaves little breadcrumbs here and there. And it's, and it's funny because, you know, the first season is maybe, I don't know, 12 hours. Second season is like 20 hours. And, and you, you might get, if you added it all up 30 minutes out of that whole season of actual sort of occult symbolism, talking about owls and aliens and, and the black lodge and stuff that it's got to over like over the normal viewer, this stuff's, surely going just right over their head they have no idea to look into it further but then you read the books and and i'm actually finishing up the uh i read the the diary of laura palmer then i read the secret history of twin peaks and now i'm 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 literally finishing up the uh the dossier of uh from 2017 who wrote the books? Are those written like as companion pieces? Yeah, they're companion pieces. Pe- um i think mark frost wrote them. Don't quote me on that. But when you read the books, you're, it just puts it all together and you're like, oh my God, this is exactly what I thought it was. And uh, it really, it, it's almost like it's only meant for the, the initiated who want to dig into this and say, wait a minute, there's a lot of weird occult stuff going on in this storyline. I want to learn more. And the, here's the books. And they, they sure enough, they're, they're like, yeah, it's all here. You know what I mean? And um, it, I mean, absolutely fascinating. And I, I it's almost like it's almost like kind of what you are in a way. It's like a half normie, half truther show in and of itself. Because for normies that aren't going to think about this stuff or notice this stuff, it is just like some kind of weird soap opera that yeah has some super supernatural elements. But if you are you know, quote unquote initiated, uh, then it's it's sort of an entirely different experience for you. Yeah, and and you'll notice uh, when you watch season three, you're gonna you're gonna notice that it's far more abstract than the first two seasons like you know he does some weird stuff here and there in seasons one and two but the third season's like off the charts 
And it's almost like maybe they're beating it over the head of the audience to say, you need to really dig into this to figure out what's going on. And I, you know, I'm sure most of the audience just turned it off. and was like, this is stupid. I'm out. I'm sure. But it's, it's almost like he keeps up in the ante of saying, there's a hidden message here. You better read the books. You better dig into it. Um, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm very new into this. I haven't, I haven't read anyone's theories yet because I'm trying to sort of wrap my mind around my own theory before I get uh, a sort of filtered of what other people think happens here. Uh, but, I, but honestly, I, I, feel like, I feel like if you read the books and everything, it's pretty clear what's going on. Um, you know, not to spoil any plots, but it's, it's funny to me because over the years of me trying to research and learn about the occult, all the roads that I've taken and the places that it's led to, I'm, I'm watching it all unfold on Twin Peaks and I'm like, holy crap, this is why everyone over the years kept saying, dude, you got to watch this show. And I'm like, I get it now. I mean, it's every element of these really crazy ideas about, um, you know, entities from other dimensions and occult practices and it really does ch- check every box. Uh, I mean, yeah, you have p- possession, uh, you have aliens, maybe you have just uh, everything yeah. you could ever. Yeah, hope wait, for. Till, wait till you watch the third season and you read the books, man. You're you're gonna you're gonna have a mind blown experience like I did. But uh, anyways, yeah, it's it's uh, Twin Peaks. It feels like a very much um, encapsulation of all the ideas, and I, I want to what I want to do and what I will do two separate things. Because um, time is limited for me, I, I, I would love to do an episode on every, or a podcast episode on every episode, or something like that. Maybe I'll do. I don't even know how I do it. That's it's, it's so much. And then the books. I just feel like it's not going to be a small project. I think. Is yeah. The point. <laughs> so I, I might write a book on it. I might do, like I said on on Twitter. Um, I'm definitely going to do some podcasts about it. I don't know how that's going to look yet. But I definitely, after I get all my theories pounded out, which is going to take months and months, I want to have guests like you on. So hopefully you'll have it finished by then. Because um, I've got a handful of guests. <laughs> I like to think I'll get it done by then. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's funny because we blazed this time. We blazed through the first season like no problem, like f- firing on all cylinders. And then even into the second season, but partway into the second season, and I won't reveal what happens. There is kind of like a reveal of what was the biggest mystery the whole time. And it, to me, it felt like, Oh, the show's ending now. Like it seemed like it was about to end. And then I look and there's like 10 more episodes. And then this is when it just kind of like, that's when it really grinded to a halt for yep. us. And it just became like, cause I was watching it with my wife and she was really into it in the beginning. So now it's like, we have very limited time together to watch TV. So it's like, I'm like twin peaks. She's like, I can do it. So now that's kind of where I'm stalled, where I'm ready to finish it, but it's like pulling teeth to get her to. So I got to kind of, I got to find some, some alone time. I think to identical get experience because uh, I was, like I said, I was sick on the couch and, uh, I had my wife watching it. She was into it through, I think she, I don't remember. She made it. Yeah. She made it through the first season and then a few episodes into the second one, she tapped out. So I just was like, I'm finishing it. So I, I made it to the part you're talking about. And I also was like, how is there 10 more episodes left? <laughs> and I kind of thought it dragged, but it's actually got some important elements in there. Um, and then the movie is just fantastic. The movie's outstanding. The fire walk with me from 92. I'm so close. I'm only like two oh, episodes dude, you gotta, away from, you gotta from being able to get because yeah. man, there, there's man, there's something really. I don't even know. There's something magical, dare I say, about Laura Palmer's character that is it's fascinating, 
and then season three, it, it gets even more fascinating. But um, it's just so strange. That whole the whole Twin Peaks show is so strange because he's he's the creators of it just they were so reserved on the messaging and the symbols and the ideas, and then they'll just casually all all the way down to even how this isn't a plot spoiler, but they in in the one scene in I think season two. I think it's Laura Palmer's in there and she says something about how uh, she's going to see agent Cooper in 25 years. And then 25 years later, they make season three. It's like, what kind of crazy long game are these guys playing? Like it's, it's wild, man. I don't know. Like I said, I've been obsessed with this for months now. and It's a problem now. It's a real problem for me. You know, well, at least it's a problem that some people pay you, pay you to. Have, so, <laughs> I hope you know, so. There's or that. they're going to, or they're going to stop. Li- Cause that's the, here's the issue I have is I, I want to just shift gears and be like, Hey, we're going to talk about twin peaks for the next six months. But I know <laughs> half the people are going to tune out and be like, dude, I don't want to hear it. So it's hard because I want to start going down this path, but I feel like it's going to consume so much time. So part of me thinks what I, what I, I mean, it does need to be a parallel podcast yeah, of some, of some kind. either, and I don't, I don't have the time for that. I don't know, it, or I, I just start working on a book about it while podcasting about my normal sort of podcast. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where life takes it. Well, I want to, I want to zoom out a little bit and and kind of go backwards and do a little bit of like a, an Illuminati one hundred and one because uh, you know this. A lot of people follow me over from politics. A lot of people are new to this stuff that that watch this show. So um, maybe we could just dive into like, all right, what is the Illuminati? Is it just this? You know, we always people always hear the term Illuminati like, oh yeah, they're the guys secretly controlling the world, but. There is a real origin story to it. There might be different directions that people take it on their own, but um, why, why did you sort of base your brand around the Illuminati, Illuminati Watcher? Maybe you can get into the name, of course, not not your actual name. Okay, yeah, this is this is interesting, right? So uh, I, I forgot the the caveat I always have to put when I do someone's show. My my pseudonym, my alias is Isaac Weishaupt, not my real name at all. Uh, I did it so when I started the the blog IlluminatiWatcher.com, it was. I don't even know what inspired that, to be honest. I just was trying to find uh, uh, DSN names or whatever, the domain names that were available. And, you know, conspiracytheories.com was taken, right? So, you you know, and you punch in all this stuff. Okay, Illuminati.com taken. Uh, okay. And, you know, I just ended up on Illuminati Watcher because, again, no idea of branding because I didn't care. I was just doing it for fun. And the I was writing a bunch of articles and a a radio show out of Oklahoma called the big mad, the big mad morning radio show. They email me and say, Hey, we want you on our radio show to talk about these conspiracy theories. You're always talking about on your blog. Cause again, like I said, I was like number one on the Google results, which is something people pay premium dollars. I just stumbled into it. it just happened to be that it was working. And that was the first, you know, quote unquote appearance I ever made. So I, they were like, well, what's your name? And I was like, God, I don't, I don't want to give them my real name. Like, cause back then, and even, you know, even now, but back then, especially it was a really seedy, you know, conspiracies, like a real seedy, uh, subculture. Right. And I was like, I don't want people to know my real name. And I chose it because the initials lined up with IW Illuminati watcher, Isaac Weishaupt and Weishaupt, obviously a play on Adam Weishaupt, the Bavarian founder of the Illuminati, right? Back in 1776. Now, uh, stupid idea. Everyone thinks I'm a disinformation agent because of that. Okay, fair enough. Um, but 
it's too late now, right? Part of the bloodline, yeah, man. part of the bloodline. Well, so when people talk about the Illuminati and pop culture today, it's a bit different than the Bavarian Illuminati secret society, but there are elements that sort of cross over. Uh, to me, and my definition, I would say would probably line up with most sort of pop culture ideas. The Illuminati is a a line of people, the elites, sometimes mostly uh, thought leaders, um, that are trying to seek knowledge from different forces. Some of those forces are light, some of them are dark, but they're occult, meaning which is a Latin term for hidden. Okay. So these people, and we're talking about, uh, you know, the people that go to Bohemian Grove, the people that possibly the people that go to Bilderberg. And I'm not saying all of them. I'm saying a select few of them, probably. Um, I don't know if it's all of them. Like with Bohemian Grove, a lot of people show up there and there's different sort of levels. You can get into an inner group within Bohemian Grove. So I don't know where it is. Obviously, they keep this a secret for a reason. But we're talking about you know those those areas and going all the way back to occultist of uh you know the age of enlightenment and Isaac Newton who was a an occultist an alchemist and then it goes way back through to the the mystery schools of ancient Egypt and and Rome and Greece uh and all these secret societies people are familiar with like the freemasons and the rosicrucians and what you'll find there's a lot of elements that to me, there's a lot of elements that sort of um, sort of run through all of this this group. And we're talking about it's usually um, like first off, it's secretive. Second off, it's usually wealthy or powerful people. And they understand and research the powers of the mind and how the mind works. Uh, people like, uh, you know, I'll, the Edward Bernays, right? He was like the godfather of propaganda who got us to eat bacon and eggs for breakfast and got women to want diamond rings for engagement rings and got... Oh, was he the one that did that? Yeah, and he, <laughs> yeah, jerk. <laughs> and then uh, uh, got women to smoke cigarettes, called them torches of freedom. And he just was a propaganda guy. They, they, you know, when you get into Freud, Carl Jung, Edward Bernays, these are all guys who were trying to understand how the mind works. And I don't know that they are necessarily part of the Illuminati, but there are elements that cross over into the occult, like Carl Jung, for instance. He was into Gnosticism, which is a very occult philosophy or religion. Um, but this Illuminati idea is that there are a group of sort of ultra-privileged elites, and they believe they have a higher spiritual calling, and they want to control humanity and take humanity down this path what they believe to be the evolution of consciousness and what they think they're doing is an alchemical idea called the great work or in freemasonry freemasonry you'll see that term too and it's the idea of evolving man through through and this is where you get into luciferian ideas um i'm trying to not go too crazy off the rails here but there's Oh, you can go okay. off the rails. That's so fine. there's also a philosophy they believe in uh, that uh, this is like the story of Prometheus. 
he stole the fire from Zeus to give to mankind and, and said, look, mankind, you don't have to be obedient and subservient to Zeus. I'm going to teach you how to get the fire. You can take care of yourself. You can become your own god. And this is... It's like the monolith in 2001. You know, it's, it's giving them... It's not just a, a technology, but it's also like sort of, sort of a mindset set shift yes. to, to warfare. And that's, and, that's, and that's exactly what... Uh, 2001 is a, a very uh, interesting subject to me. Um, they do... That is an alchemical... Uh, journey that uh, astronaut David Bowman takes. Uh, if you read the books, I've read there's four there's four four novels. There's 2001, 2010, uh, 2061, I think, or 2051, and then uh, 3001, the final Odyssey. And I've read those books, and you'll see the path that they want to take us on because it's arguable that Arthur C. Clarke is a member of this Illuminati group or uh, part of the influence behind this group, and it very much fits into the overall agenda of uh, the Prometheus idea. And this goes also, this is why they worship Lucifer because they think loose because in the garden of Eden, the serpent who is attributed to being Lucifer uh, and, and look, you can dice this up. Theologians out there will be like, well, that's actually uh, not Satan. Right. Well, okay, whatever. But you get what I'm saying? Lucifer. It's the same the idea. Same idea. Okay. There's this. There's this serpent, and he says to Adam and Eve, "Look, you don't have to just sit here and worship God all the time, like He tells you to do, and be subservient. I'm going to teach you. Uh, from you're going to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you're going to be like God. I'm going to teach you. And and it's kind of that same argument over and over, where they want to evolve humanity through the sciences, which started out as alchemy, as occult practices given to us by Thoth back in ancient Egypt and transcribed on the emerald tablets long sort of side discussion but they think that through the intellect the worship of man's wisdom through science you know that's why they're they're shoving that down our throats the last few years is like trust the science and all of us with independent thoughts think well which science should i trust because there's a million scientists out there and half of them are paid off by this company half of them are paid off by that company and like half of us are scientifically illiterate to understand what these studies say anyway. So it's very difficult to just trust the science because there's a lot of influences behind there. Uh, but that's where they want to take us in this. They, they want to take us down the path of the technocracy and the new Atlantis where the sciences are the new gods. And the reason for that is revealed in the 2001 space odyssey novels where, you know, plot spoiler, but by the end of the books, you find out that what they, what that alien intelligence was trying to tell us was that hey we used to be humanity too but we evolved into being digital consciousness and we are immortal that's how they that's how they'll achieve the great work and the uh the alchemical elixir of life um of immortality they'll unlock it by turning us into digital consciousness they think they can replicate the human experience and you see this with every piece of technology out there uh look at oculus goggles right it's pretty cool. I've had I've tried them on the virtual reality thing. It feels pretty real. It's pretty cool, uh, but it ain't the same. Uh, even over uh, tw in twenty twenty, we were doing Zoom calls with friends. That sucked. What are you talking about? That was awful. Like is, there's there's no replicating the human experience. You can get you can make it better. Like sure, I'm I'm happy we had FaceTime and Zoom. I'm I'm glad that that was a thing. Sure, great, good job, guys. But it, it doesn't replace it. But they think they can perfect it with this wisdom, with this intellect of science, to actually replace it. And 
when you get down to why that is, you find that it's it's ultimately a spiritual battle where they say, look, we want to take God's creation and we're going to make it better. It's the Tower of Babel story all over again. And that's what the Illuminati is to me. When you say like, or for example, when you use the phrase on your show, you like to use the phrase illuminate confirm when he finds like an artist or someone that has a lot of Illuminati symbology or maybe they talk in a certain way. So when someone is like Illuminati or an illuminate in your mind, it doesn't mean they, they were literally like recruited into a specific group to like, they, they come have a secret meeting, they learn all this stuff, or is it, do you think it's more subtle? And obviously a lot of this is speculation, but or do you think it's more subtle than that? Like, you know, they, they just slowly kind of become incorporated into this thing as they as they rise up in Hollywood, not coincidentally, or Hollywood or music, whatever it may be. And then whether consciously or unconsciously, who knows if it's producers, the artists themselves, what have you, decide to insert some of this stuff into their works, whether it's movies or music, for whatever reason, because they believe it actually has power to have it in there. There's there's different levels. So first off, the illuminate confirmed statement, that that comes from, and I don't, I don't claim to be the one who started that. I don't really know where that started, but back in the day on the blog, I would get all these comments and I used to get a lot of the spammy comments like the Nigerian prince scam. Mm -hmm. And it would always be like, uh, uh, illuminate confirm $1 million. And it's like, apparently <laughs> it's like the most illiterate thing to read. And it's, uh, I noticed people were making fun of this. So it kind of over time turned into a joke. But but the concept is understandable. And I think that there's different levels to it. I don't think that every uh the latest you know, I'm I'm I was a hip hop guy until about a year ago for some reason. I, I don't know what it is. My my old genes kicked in and I'm like, no, I don't want to listen to this anymore. Like I, I don't know what happened. I used to love it's just called hitting forty happening yeah. with you. <laughs> Something happened. <laughs> it's just like that's too loud. Yeah, it's now. just it gives me anxiety. I'm like, oh man. But anyway. Uh, Glora, uh, Glorilla, she's a, a rapper. She's the latest one that they're saying she's a part of the Illuminati because she's got some Illuminati tattoos of the all-seeing eye inside a triangle, and she covers the one. She has the covering of the one eye. And for me, that's a good example, right? I don't think Glorilla is doing ritual magic where they're trying to open the doors to have her take part of these Illuminati rituals and or understanding what the evolution of consciousness is. I think that if there's an Illuminati out there, they would be using her to push these symbols because there is an idea that symbols have power. And it's a, it's an idea you'll see over and over again. In fact, I, I uh, did a show about the Hoover Dam. Uh, let me see if I can find the quote. It's in my notes. Um, but there, there was, a, there was the, the architect, Oscar Hansen. I did two episodes on it. Sorry, there's a... Man, I'm trying to find it. I'm like right here on it. Um, damn it, I'm not going to find it. Okay, here we go. Got it. Uh, in 1928, Oscar Hansen, the architect behind the very Luciferian statues of Hoover Dam, said, man has always sought to express and preserve the magnitude of his exploits in symbols. The written words are symbols arranged so as to preserve in objectified form the thought of man and to record his variant states, both mental and physical. All other arts are similar as to their symbolic significance. Um, blah, blah, blah. They serve as an outer object typifying the inner process. They form the connecting link between the spiritual and the material world. They are the shadows cast by the realities of the soul. And that's uh, one major underlying theme. If you read up 
on Carl Jung's shadow. He talks about this. If you read up on uh, Kenneth Grant, who was an Aleister Crowley sort of acolyte who started the Typhonian <laughs> OTO, which is a, it's a magical group trying to make contact with entities, which again, Twin Peaks. Um, all these folks talk about the same thing. It's about entering the mob zone or approaching the shadow realm. And uh, it was interesting because I did a show about Kobe. Well, Kobe Bryant died in was it January, 2020. And I did several shows on him, and he had written some children's books right before he died. And you'll, and I, I read the books. There was two of them I read and it's unreal. It was, it was very Luciferian. It was very much embracing the shadow self. There was this whole storyline of this shadow self of him embracing uh, so that he could be better at basketball. And that shadow self was dangerous. You know, he's referring to the black Mamba version of himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this, that's a phrase he started using somewhere where in his yes. career. And I wonder if that coincided with his own personal use of black magic. Yeah, I, I believe it did because he does talk about um, there's, there was a commercial he did with some Muppets where he talks about, and I'm not sure if it was on the uh, Sesame street show, but there was a, there is a video out there you can watch where he's talking about the black Mamba and how it's, you know, basically the shadow self. Uh, but there is this idea that the art and artists can more easily attune themselves into this mob zone and, and the shadow realm and the advantage to the Illuminati would like, let's use Glorilla as an example, right? They, they, they maybe sort of persuade her to embrace some of this dark side to channel energy. And they're like, Hey, we, we can get you uh, to make more money and more fame. If you kind of do this dark ritual stuff, and she probably doesn't really understand what she's doing. And I don't know if she's doing it again, just an example, but they might say there's these practices. You could try it out and, and see if it works for you. And I think they do it. And sometimes they don't understand if it's working. Sometimes they don't understand what the real reason is. And they probably don't care. They're probably like, sweet. I'm getting paid. I'll keep doing this. But then I think right, some right. of them do take it that step further and it changes their life. And they say, wow, I really got to get into these occult practices, you know? So some are just kind of vessels for it, but through through some agent who's maybe more into it than they are, and others really probably just actually become part of it themselves to the point that they, like Kobe Bryant, talk about it pretty openly in a way that it's not even that coy. But uh, you know, if you're familiar at all, familiar with this kind of stuff, it's very obvious what he's talking about when he lays out this black mamba stuff and what. Happens. Yes, well said. That's yeah, that's exactly it. Yep, different levels to it. Uh, Isaac, maybe we will uh, go into some more of these different levels when we hop over to the smoke-filled room, our bonus segment that we'll do in just a minute. But uh, I just want to wind down right now and let you give one chance to uh, plug anything and everything you got going on. Uh, Like you said, you got nine books, you got podcasts, you got videos everywhere. So uh, give people the full rundown of anywhere and everywhere they can find all your stuff. Yeah, thank you. Like like you said, I'm all over the place. If you go to allmylinks.com backslash Isaac W, that has links to everything I do, which is all over the place. My books are all on Amazon and Audible. I self-narrated almost all the books. And then my main page is IlluminatiWatcher.com. If you go there up top, there's a, a, a menu item for a free book. Uh, if you sign up for my email newsletter, that's just me. Every week I say, here's what the show is about. Sometimes I have updates if I have new shirts in stock and stuff like that. If you sign up for that email list, I will send you my first book for free. That's the A Grand Unified Conspiracy Theory book. That was my first view on conspiracy stuff back in 2012 when I first got into this. 
some of those elements have changed in my belief system. Uh, some of them have not. So uh, anyway, it's, it's just a, a way to get a free book, see what I'm, see what I was about 10 years ago. And uh, you can follow my journey and see where I'm at today. But uh, yeah, and then of course, my podcast is everywhere, Occult Symbolism and Pop Culture. All right, Isaac, wise up. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll see you over in the smoke filled room. Thanks for coming on my show. Thanks. All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Isaac Weisopt. As always, the conversation continued in the smoke-filled room. That's right. We found a way to take this conversation and get even weirder. We got all sorts of sub into all sorts of subjects, including diving a little bit deeper on the possible connection between orthodoxy and the spiritual viewpoint and sort of the ability to see and dissect uh, occult symbolism and, and that sort of thing. So we had, and, and that's just a scratching, a sniffing of the surface. Do you sniff services? I don't know, man. It's been a long day, but either way, you can hear the full conversation. The entire 90 plus minute conversation with myself and Isaac Weisopt in so many different ways. You can subscribe to this show on Patreon, patreon.com slash Show. You can subscribe over on Subscribestar. Give yourself a free trial, five-day trial or seven-day trial, something like that. Give yourself a free trial. You can listen to that interview for free right now, should you so choose. Uh, you can also, of course, uh, subscribe on Rockfin, where you get access to a ton of different creators, including the aforementioned Isaac Weisopt. So many, many options. I don't really care how you do it. Of course, you can also get bonus shows such as Mark's Monthly Musings, where I look back at the month that was, the month to come, talk a little bit about my personal life and all sorts of stuff like that. So just a myriad of ways to support this show. Of course, supporting the sponsors is another great way. Foxandsons.com. Don't forget to use that discount code MCS at checkout. Until next week, my friends, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs>